about the presence of the Lord. And who doesn't love the presence of the Lord? It's an amazing thing to realize that a God who created everything is also ever-present. Um, I love what uh, Reinhard Bonnke says. He says um, that God is om- omnipotent. He's not imp- impotent. And so omnipotent means that he is, has limitless, unlimited power. Impotent means that uh, there, there's not, you're not unable to act. And to understand and realize that we have a God who's ever-present that is able to act on our behalf at any given moment, at any given time, to me is an exciting revelation to understand, and that's the kind of God that I want to serve. So I'm going to be reading just a few verses out of the book of Joshua chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1. We need like uh, Bible page sound effects turning right now for me. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1, verse. I'm going to start in verse 5. It says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall... Cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn, uh, do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you will be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's close in prayer. I'm just kidding. Uh, I want to just give a little bit of background and a little bit of context. Um, Understanding when you read scripture, it's important to understand background and context. And I, for one, love the book of Joshua. Um, Fun fact, I was named after the book of Joshua, if you didn't know that. So I actually love the book of Joshua. And uh, many theologians have said that Joshua, the book of Joshua, is, is a parallel to the New Testament book of Ephesians. And there's many different reasons and many different schools of thought uh, regarding that. But um, some interesting things to understand is that in the book of Joshua, the, God's people are inheriting land. In the book of Ephesians, God's people are inheriting life. And there's, there's a natural implication, uh, there's a natural action that has spiritual implications that we see in the book of Joshua. And this is one of the reasons why I love Joshua. There's a lot of fighting in there. I love fighting. Um, when my wife asks me if I want to mi- watch a movie, I usually ask her, uh, does someone die in it? Is there fighting? Um, and that usually determines whether or not I want to watch it. Um, but uh, but there, there's a lot of that in the book of Joshua. It's an amazing book. It's, it's, uh, I love it. Um, now, the context of the book of Joshua is... The reason why God is encouraging Joshua as a leader is because the the people that he he is to lead have just lost everything. They've literally lost everything. Now, if you remember from the book of Exodus, you remember Moses. Moses was uh, one of the uh, premier leaders of the Bible, especially the Old Testament. You cannot go real far into the book of Genesis, into the book of Exodus, and, and not see the significance of Moses. Moses. 
When God wanted to deliver his people out of the hands of Pharaoh, he called Moses. When God wanted to uh, cause water, the, the Red Sea, to split, he raised up Moses. When God wanted to do miracle signs and wonders, he raised up Moses. Moses was a man that had no systems, no processes, no procedures, but yet he led an entire nation and began to build systems, processes, and procedures to lead a nation into prosperity so that they would increase in the midst of wilderness. Moses was the leader that prayed and they saw manna fall from heaven. Moses was the leader that prayed and they saw quail come that would feed the people. Moses is the leader that would pray and God would, would sustain their clothing and their feet and their, their sandals so that for 40 years they, they lasted in the wilderness. Moses was a leader all by himself. In fact, God even said that, uh, you know, I, I speak to my prophets in dreams and in visions, but Moses I speak face to face. And so you can see that Moses is in a category all by himself. You can see the significance of the leadership of Moses. You can see that although he had his faults, he was a powerful leader that, that did things that was unprecedented. He left a legacy. He left a mark. He was the one who got the blueprint for the tabernacle that was a, 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 a picture on earth of what heaven looked like. This is Moses. And so here we have Joshua, who was Moses' assistant that was to take over everything that Moses had built. Now, you can imagine that the people had come to really rely on Moses. They'd come to rely on his leadership because uh, e even the, the judges in the court system, and, and if there was disputes, people would go to Moses. They would, they would get ideas and, and, and um, judgments and things like that of cases. They would get it from Moses. And so the people had come to really rely on this leader called Moses. And now you have Moses uh, who all of a sudden, he, he goes up onto a mountain and he doesn't come back. He, 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 he doesn't, um, he, he never returns. And, and, and in fact, the Lord had to tell the, the people of Israel that Moses had died. And we know from scripture that, that the people mourned Moses' death. It went from days to weeks to a month that they would mourn Moses' death because, again, this was a leader that they really relied on, that this leader delivered them from Israel or uh, from Egypt. This leader uh, was leading them into a land flowing with milk and honey. And all of a sudden, the leader had changed. All of a sudden, what they knew, the, the crutch that they had leaned on was kicked out from underneath them. This is the context in, when God, in which God begins to speak to Joshua. This is the context in which he begins to encourage him because Joshua is in a tough situation. He's in a situation where uh, the people were mourning because of the leader they had lost. They were in transition. You have to understand the, the radical transition that these people were in. They were not only crossing uh, the Jordan River into the land of promise. They were inheriting a land that they had never been. Their ancestors, it was their land, but they had never been there. It was promised to them. It was given to them, but they had no history there. These people had, had, had vineyards that they didn't plant and houses that they didn't build. And they went from, from living a nomadic lifestyle where they would move around from place to place. And they would be fed daily uh, from God himself to now they were stepping into a land flowing with milk and honey. And they had to maintain houses and build vineyards. And they had to plant and harvest. And they had to understand an entirely new system. 
They were in transition. And then you have a leader that all of a sudden, in one of the most crucial moments, one of the most crucial points, the leader's gone. The person that had helped you for the last 40 years, the person that you had come to rely on, the person that, you had, that had delivered you from the hands of Pharaoh, the person whom you had looked to is gone. Everything is changing. Their land is changing. Their leader is changing. The life in which they lived and how they lived it is changing. In the, in the midst of everything changing, this is what God says to Joshua. The main theme through these, these particular passages is God says over and over, I will be with you. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Now you can imagine to Joshua, these were comforting words. These were words that he needed to hear because it was Moses who prayed and, and a pillar of fire appeared in a uh, you know, by night and a cloud by day. It was Moses who would go up onto a mountain and all of a sudden the mountain would burst into flames and, and would not be consumed and smoke would wrap around the mountain and then God would speak from it. There were dramatic signs and wonders and the Lord was speaking to Joshua and saying, as I was with Moses so will I be with you. I want to talk to people this morning who feel like you're in transition, who feel like everything's changing, who feel like there's the, the props that you've held your life up with, the props that you've held your faith up with are being kicked out from underneath you. I want to talk to people this morning who need encouragement because I've got good news with, uh, for you this morning. I've got good news that, that a God who was with you in previous seasons, a God who was with you in the, in the first part of your life will be with you always. He had in fact says and encourages us, I will be with you always. As I was with Moses, so will I be with, with you. And we can read that as ourselves and say, as I was then, so will I be now. As I was in that season, so will I be now. When everything is being shaken, when, when everything is changing, he who, who remains unshakable never changes. He's the constant. He's the anchor. He is the fortress, the strong tower. He is our hiding place, our shelter, our comfort. He is everything that you could ever need. And in the midst of everything changing, the comfort is not in our security of our external circumstances or the, the steadiness of our external circumstances. The comfort is in the fact that he is unshakable. The comfort is in the fact that he is unchanging. The comfort is in the fact that he is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he'll do. This is the comfort that people in transition take. This is the comfort that Joshua took. When over and over the Lord began in the, in the first, God commissions Joshua. He calls him uh, as, as the leader of an entire nation that whom many would say he is not qualified to lead. And his main message to him is I will be with you. What does it look like in your life right now? What are some challenges? What are some uncertainties? What are some things that have fallen away? What are some things that are shifting and changing? What if the new season looks different? How do you maintain an excitement, a momentum, a, a, a hope in what God is doing, what is going to happen when some good things have died? 
when maybe some good things have passed away, when maybe some good things are no longer, but yet we remain hopeful because we know that we serve a radically good God that will ensure that as I was then, so will I be now. When we hear this, when I don't know about you, but when I hear this, I, I want to understand who is this God that is saying, I will be with you. Who is this God that is saying this? Who, who, what is he to me? What has he done to me? What is he uh, saying specifically to me? Because I, I don't want to hear just what he's saying to Joshua. I want to hear what he's saying to me. And to understand a little bit about what God is saying to us and to you specifically, we have to understand who he is to know the nature, to know, to understand the, the lens in which one speaks, the, the, the lens in which he sees you, understand that he is radically good and he's hopeful and he's strong and he's powerful, understanding that it's, it's him, it's, it's the God who knows no end. It's the God that in uh, Isaiah 9, it says, of the increase of his peace and of his rulership, his government, there will be no end. It means that no matter the setbacks, what you think is a setback, God sees as a setup. What you think is, is a, a, a one or two steps back, the Lord sees as, as just a reload. And so I want to encourage you. I want to I challenge you to begin to think differently about your circumstances. There are people in, in this time, in these circumstances, that are having radically different experiences. There are some who are enjoying the, the solitude. They're enjoying not uh, slowing down and, and not having the busyness of life. And there are some that, that are suffering. There are some who are uh, experiencing depression. There's some who are experiencing a confusion. They're, they're experiencing a, uh, what we would say, just a mental chaos, or they're just feeling this swirling that's going on. And, and there, there is uh, people that are having radical experiences, different, ex radically different experience in the same time, in the same community, in the same nation. What we have to understand is, is regardless of our experience, our lens, our view of what's happening, he is unchangeable. He is unchangeable. And if your view of him is changing, it will dictate your experience of what is happening. If your view of him is changing, it will dictate what your experience of what is happening. If, if you see a God that's, that is uncertain, that is confused about the future, that doesn't have things in order, that doesn't know what he's doing, then, then you're going to experience confusion. You're going to experience depression. You're going to experience frustration. But if you see the God that is unshakable, a God that is unmovable, a God that calms the storms, not causes them, if you see a God that is radically good and radically for you, then you begin to look at circumstances, no matter how good or how bad, radically different. You begin to see it through a lens that no other, not many other people see it through because you have an insight or a perspective. You're viewing things from a heavenly perspective. And this is what God is encouraging us in this time, that in a season of transition, we've been, in, you know, we've been told by the news, and, and, and I'm not giving much merit to the news, but there's, you know, people are saying it's, it's not going to go back to normal. It's not, and, and that can cause fear. It can cause anxiety because we get comfortable. We get comfort and comfortable out of normal rather than getting comfort from the comforter. 
And so when everything is changing and our circumstances are shifting and the ground that we're walking on is shaking and it's unstable and it's uncertain, when you begin to understand and see things from his perspective, it doesn't matter. There could be a tornado, a storm raging around you, but when you see yourself in the eye of the storm in perfect peace, you can begin to speak from that place and call those things that are not as though they are. You can call peace into situations. You can call encouragement into situations. You can begin to have a different viewpoint, a different idea, and begin to actually, instead of all of your energy and and your, your mental capacity being tied up in maintaining the history and maintaining the frustration and maintaining the disappointment and the depression, you can be using all of that energy, all of that power, all of that mental capacity to begin to innovate, to begin to build momentum, to begin to prepare, to begin to position yourself for increase, to begin to enlarge the stakes of your tent, stretch them out so that when things begin to shift, you are prepared and you're not reactive, but you're proactive. This is what God's people look like. This is what life in the kingdom looks like. And just as the children of Israel God had to encourage uh, Joshua over and over, I will be with you. No matter what it looks like, no matter what you're going through, there will be battles. You will win some and you will lose some. There will be fights. There are beasts in the land that he, you know, they actually tell, I can't give you all of it because the beasts of the land will overwhelm you. But you can take it little by little. You can take it little by little, and your future, the, 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 the next few months, the next few years of your destiny and, and what God has in store for America and the nations of the world, it doesn't have to be uh, you know, taken all at once, but begin to take a step. Begin to take a step now. Begin to, to uh, in, even if it's in your heart and in your mind and in your posture, begin to take a step. Begin to prepare Begin to anchor yourself to him who is unshakable so that you can begin to move forward and push forward. So we understand who is saying this, that God is saying this. He is all-powerful. He is all-sufficient. Isaiah tells us that, that, I believe it's Isaiah, it tells us that he is enthroned upon the circle of the earth. That, that Ezekiel says he is a wheel within a wheel, that he is, the, he is God all by himself, and beside him there is no other. That this is the God who is saying this, the one who is saying, I will be with you, the one who, who uh, caused water to come out of a rock, the one who split the sea, the one who caused the stars to come into their places. This is the God who is saying this, and he is looking at you. If, if, if he was in front of you right now, he would be looking at you and saying, I will be with you. I will be with you. So we understand who is saying it, and now we have to understand who he is saying it to. In this particular passage, we know uh, pretty clearly he's saying it to Joshua. He's speaking to Joshua. He's telling him, I will be with you. He's saying that, be strong and courageous. He's telling them, fear not. 
He's encouraging them over and over. He's affirming him. I will be with you. Go through, and, and you can do this in your Bible. You can highlight as many times in just a few short passages. He says, I will be with you. Be strong. Be courageous. I will be with you. He says it multiple times. Be very courageous. Be very strong. I will be with you. He encourages him. He's saying this to Joshua, and Joshua is a leader, but also Joshua is like you and me. He is a person caught in the middle of transition with some uncertainties and some questions. He's a person that, that doesn't necessarily know what the future looks like. He's a person that may not know all of uh, uh, how to move forward. He's a person that, 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 that has questions that he doesn't have answers to. But, but the Lord is encouraging him that I have answers to all of your questions. I'm not going to answer them right now, but I will be with you. I'm not going to uh, give you everything right now, but I will be with you because it teaches us and him at that time. It, it, it teaches us to walk step by step with him, to not get too far ahead, but to not get too far behind, to, to maintain a steady pace with him. He says, be strong and courageous. What he is saying to Joshua, he is saying to you, I will be with you always. Uh, what I take out of this passage too is what I is is the Lord saying this? What I put in you will conquer what's around you. What I put in you will conquer what's around you, and this is encouraging because you know when when the Lord says be strong and courageous. It's interesting, you know. I think about these kinds of things that He says uh, courage instead of boldness. Be He didn't tell Joshua to be bold. He said, be courageous. There's a difference between being bold and being courageous. Boldness, and, and this is my interpretation, boldness is something that comes upon you. Boldness, there, there's moments, and I've experienced this myself, maybe you've experienced this, there's, there's moments where boldness comes upon you and you do something that you would not normally do. And in the midst of doing that, there is no fear. A boldness has come upon you. There's a certainty. And I, I believe that boldness is something that comes upon you. Yes, people can be bold, but there's, there's, there's a boldness from the Lord that comes upon people. Courage is something different. I believe that courage, from, from what I can tell, is something that comes from inside of you. Be strong and courageous. Courage is what rises up in you. It's not necessarily something that comes upon you. And courage is something you do, you act in in spite of the fear, in spite of the disappointment, in spite of the, 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 the depression, in spite of the anxiety. You begin to act and be courageous and be very courageous and begin to take courageous steps forward. And so the, 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 the idea and the understanding in this particular you know, passage, when the Lord is, is, is encouraging him to be courageous, to, to allow what's in you to rise up to the challenge, to allow what's in you, what I have put in you is enough. What I have put in you is enough to conquer the storms around you. And it's interesting, I... I when we look at, at God and, and how God created things in Genesis, God does things by a system. I, I'm fascinated with, with science and, and physics and, uh, uh, and, and uh, 
a previous life. I was an engineer, and, and so I, I'm fascinated with how things work. I'm fa- fascinated with, with making things work. I'm fascinated with the intricate details. You can, you can ask my wife that uh, if, if I see something, I, I'm on Google. I'm looking up how, how does that even work. Uh, and, and so when I study God, I, I look at how God created things. I look at the, his nature and how he, how he functions and how he acts. And I try to, you know, uh, understand at least in, in some way, shape, or form. And the thing that you see in Genesis is God is a systemic God. He's a God of systems. He's a God that does things by systems. When, when, he, when he said, let there be light, it, light wasn't chaotic, but light had a beginning and an end. And, and, and there was day and night and night and day. And, and, and the way that the planets revolve around the sun and the way that the universe is, everything is systemic. It it's, it's can be measured. It's, it's, it's precise. And this is what I love about God. The way that he created animals and the way that he created plants and grass and roses and, and trees and all of these different things. And down to the way that he created you and I. He does things by a system. And the interesting thing that, that Genesis takes just quite a bit of passages to lay out is that everything that God created has the seed inside of itself. Everything that God created, you, you can read it that everything has the seed inside of itself. It has the, the, you know, the, the grass and the roses and the trees and, and, and even you know, man and woman. We have the seed inside of itself. What does the seed represent? The seed represents the future. It represents the future. And so the future is inside of you. The future is inside of you. And the, the spiritual implications is when you have the Holy Spirit, the future is inside of you. Everything you need to conquer and perform your destiny is in you. And we spend our lives discovering what is in us so that we can manifest it on the outside. We can begin to, to talk like it, walk like it, act like it, live like it, begin to function in it. Because he has put it, put it inside of us. Your future is inside of you. So I want you to get this picture. Now, we've talked about um, Joshua. We've talked about uh, the people of Israel. We've talked about how they, they came out of the promised land, how they, uh, the, the Lord encouraged the people of Israel. I know things are changing. I know there's transition. I know everything's being shaken, but I want you to take refuge in the fact that I will be with you. I want you to understand that what is in you will conquer what is uh, the circumstances around you. He's telling Joshua, be courageous, be strong. What's in you, you have it in you. And so I, I've had this picture just the, the, the last few days, and I, I shared this a little bit on uh, our prayer and intercession. So if you're watching and you were on prayer and intercession, uh, this is a little bit of a repeat for this part right here, but um, I... I, uh, you know, just with the, thi- the way that things have, have laid out the last six weeks, I- I'll be honest, I have, I've been a little discouraged. I've been a little disappointed. I've been, I-, I felt like every area of my life was firing on all cylinders, and all of a sudden, everything came to a screeching halt. All of a sudden, it all, all the activity ceased. And I personally felt like momentum had began to die. I just begin to, to pray to the Lord, begin to uh, talk to God about this. And uh, one of the things that he encouraged me with is, is that, uh, number one, that I'm not the only one that's feeling it. So that's, it's always encouraging when you're not the only one. 
Um, amen. You can type amen. There's nobody here to say amen. So uh, it's always encouraging when you realize you're not the only one that's experiencing uh, some of these things. And so, um, you know, he, he encouraged me that I'm not the only one that's, that's uh, feeling this. And, you know, he talked to me about um, just some things that I've shared with you uh, in the sense of no matter what the season, no matter what the stage, no matter what's happening, what's shifting, I will be with you. And that's enough. That needs to be enough. You see, what happens is we begin to live for uh, other things. We begin to live for praises and an audience and a platform, and we begin to live for likes and follows, and, and we get, begin to live for all of these different things. And, and the reality of the, the matter is, is that we live for an audience of one. We live for an audience of one. Everything that you do, everything that you put your hands to is for him. It's, it's not for recognition. It's not for anything other than bringing him glory. This is the reason why we were created. It's the reason why that we were formed out of the dust of the earth is so that we ourselves can choose to bring him glory with what we do and not bring ourselves glory. Not begin to seek all of these things. And the Lord began to encourage, encourage me, um, you know, that, that as, a, as a body of Christians, as, as just believers all over the world, that we need to not sell the pearl to buy all, but we need to sell all to buy the pearl. And in when there's so many activities and there's so many things that are happening and there's so many things to be distracted by, what can happen is we begin little by little to sell the pearl to buy all. Rather than understanding that all of it, as Paul says, all of these accomplishments, all of these things are but dung. They're nothing compared to the glory of knowing him and the power of his resurrection. There's an internal reality that we, we shift and we change and we understand that, gosh, that there, there's, there's a, a pruning and a weeding away and the Lord is, is pulling things out of us so that he can put things in us. And this is a good thing. This is a powerful thing. And so when I was, you know, feeling momentum coming to a screeching halt, Events were being canceled and plans were being canceled and all these things that we were excited about and prayed into were, were, were we can't do them now. And, and so I, I began to say, God, why, what's, what's going on? This, I feel like all the momentum is, is, is coming to a halt. And the Lord asked me a very simple question. He says, what makes you think momentum is tied to activity? What makes you think momentum is tied to activity? Your momentum, the, the momentum that we experience as a body of people, as a church, as, as an individual, as families, as people that are running after our destiny, it is not tied to your activity because more activity doesn't equate more momentum. What it's tied to is your belief. What do you believe? Do we take God at his word? Do we believe him without a shadow of a doubt when everything is crashing down and it makes no sense and it's contrary to popular opinion and popular belief, but we stand firm and say, no, this is what the Lord has said and it makes no sense, but I'm going to take a step. I'm going to go anyways. I'm going to be strong and courageous because he is who he says he is and he will do what he said he'll do. 
And so he began to, to share with me about momentum and how momentum is, is not tied to activity, how it's tied to internal belief systems. It's tied to you are momentum. When you step into a room, a wake of God's presence can step into the room with you if you believe it. When you step into a room, a wake, a wave of healing can come into that room if you believe it, if you grab onto it by faith. And so momentum is not tied to activity. It's not tied to your feelings. It's not tied to external circumstances. It's tied to what the Lord has said and your actions internally about it. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? I'm reminded of the quote from Smith Wigglesworth where he said, if God's not moving, I'll move him. And, you know, it sounds arrogant, but it, it's, a, it's a simple statement that says that because of the belief that I have internally, when I step into a situation, my belief will cause God to turn aside and see. My belief will cause God to, to, to act because he is, is attracted to people who will take him at his word. He's attracted to people who will take him for what he says and move into action about it. So momentum is not tied to activity. It's tied to our beliefs. It's tied to our faith. And our faith is that no matter what we're stepping into, if God has said it, he'll be with you for it. This is a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful reality. And I don't know if, if, if you, maybe you're watching and you felt something similar. You've been in a fight with frustration. You have felt a swirling. You've felt this confusion. You, you don't understand because spiritually everything was firing on all cylinders. And I want to encourage you that it still is. I want to encourage you that he is still on his, on his throne. I want to encourage you that of the increase of his peace and of his government, there will be no end. That means that despite of the circumstances, he's still moving forward. Despite of it, that the kingdom advances forcefully and the violent men and women lay hold of it. That it's, it's propelled forward by people who have an understanding that you create the momentum. You create the momentum and history will speak of what you believe right now. History will tell the story of what you believe. History will tell the story of what men and women in 2020 stood up and believed God for and began to step out into. And so that means that we need to have radical hope that God is doing something right now and he's about to do something unprecedented, unbelievable, almost impossible, but because it's God, it's not impossible. And so our beliefs and what he said and what he is doing begins to shift our reality and it causes us to begin to act. It causes us to begin to step and that step might be a hypothetical step. It might be uh, a, a, not an actual action because a lot of the actions that we're able to take in this time, we're not able to take. And, and so our, our momentum, our belief, our, our moving forward is simply it could be that you begin to dream again. It means that you begin to have hope again. It means that, that you begin to believe that the best is yet to come, that you begin to declare it day by day, moment by moment, that no, despite whether you're feeling it or not, you stand up and say the best is yet to come. 
That despite the circumstances, despite what the world is saying, that, you know, the, the fear, the doubt, the unbelief, the, all of these uh, things swirling in the atmosphere, it takes men and women of God to become beacons of hope, to stand up and say, the best is yet to come, and begin to actually pray it into existence. What if, on the other side of this, what if on the other side of what the Lord is, is opening up, and I believe the, the doors and the windows are already opened. He's, he's waiting for people to stand up with hope, with radical hope, with an understanding that the best is yet to come, with an understanding that my activity doesn't dictate the momentum. And I, I see this picture, and I, I shared this with... Uh, you know, with the um, prayer and intercession team, uh, we have kids, lots of kids. I have four kids, and uh, one of my sons has this car, and this car, m- m- many of you may have a car similar in your home, but uh, this car is a, a toy car, and as you, as you go like this, you rev the wheels up, and you begin to build an internal momentum. And you keep doing it until the sound gets louder and it gets, it gets faster. And then when you set it down, it takes off. And I, I felt like I had this picture that this is, this is where we're at right now. That we are in this place where we're revving up. We're building momentum internally so that when things open up, we hit the ground and we take off. And I believe that many of you have felt this. You felt this tension of, of this confusion, but also this tension of extreme hope and, and belief that God's doing something. And I want to encourage you, begin to rev it up. Begin to turn it up. Like a horse in a, like a, horse in a race, and, and they're, they're at the gate, and they're ready, and they're waiting, and they're just waiting for the sound of the gun to go off so the gate drops so we can run. And I, I, th- I, feel, I feel it in my spirit. I feel that this is what the Lord is encouraging us with, that, that you can be in that posture because I will be with you. You may not know what's on the other side of the gate when it drops. You may not know what it looks like when you're released and it takes off. You may not know where you're going, how you're getting there, why you're getting there, why you're going, but all you need to know is I will be with you. And so you can begin to turn it up. You can begin to blaze. You can begin to, 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 to move into new territories and begin to allow something to rise up in you because the, this is the Bible. This is what the scriptures say. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard. And I'm telling you, he's raising up a church that is full of momentum and not full of fear. He's raising up a church that's full of faith and not full of doubt. He's raising up a church that is looks not to natural timing but to prophetic timing. He's raising up people that, that will not be reactive, but will begin to be proactive, will begin to call those things that are not as oh they are, and begin to look two, three, four, ten years into the future, and begin to prepare and dream and plan, and say, what if God? There's something that the Lord is stirring. And you can have one perspective, or you can have another I don't know about you, but I've had the other perspective, and the Lord corrected me very strongly, and I began to believe. I began to position myself for increase. I began to dream. I began to prepare. I began to plan. I began to say, what would it look like if? What? Asking God questions. God, what, what could be? What is possible? 
And so I want to encourage you that you may feel just like Israel, just like Joshua in a season of transition, and you may not know where to go, how to go, what's, what's it going to look like? Many of you may have suffered from a, a loss of your job, a loss of your career, and, and, and you're uncertain. There's an uncertainty. There's questions, and it's okay to have questions, but it's not uh, when those questions begin to move into doubt. We, we, need, a rec- we need a recalculating recorrection, recourse, and and we need to understand that no matter what the future looks like, the best is yet to come, and the Lord is preparing us right now to step into the best. What if half of the prophetic words over America, over Columbus, Ohio, come true? What if? I know just one that fuels me is is, uh, one of Bob Jones's words that the greatest signs and wonders the world has ever seen will come out of Columbus, Ohio. What if even just half, what if you say half of the greatest signs and wonders the world's ever seen will come out of Columbus, Ohio? Is it still good enough? Is it still powerful enough to believe? Is is it still enough to go after, to act on, to begin to prepare, and to begin to build momentum? Is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. It's worth it to win for the lamb the reward of his suffering. It's worth it to step outside of our personalities and step into our persona. Who God has called us to be, who he's created us to be. And it may look different than what you thought, but it's okay because I will be with you. I will be with you. So I want to pray. I want to pray for you. If you feel like you're in transition, if you feel like the ground underneath you has been shaking, maybe you've lost your job, maybe things have have radically changed for you over the last month, six weeks, uh, I want to encourage, I want to pray for you that you would experience the presence of God like you've never experienced, that there would be a certainty that comes over you, that there would be a momentum that begins to rise up in you, and and, and, and pray for you to have courage for the future so that you can begin to be like that horse that is ready to, to to step out of history and into destiny. So, Father, I just thank you. And, Jordan, if you want to go ahead and come on up. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for every person watching. I thank you for Zion. Lord, I thank you for, for this, uh, uh, this church as a movement. Lord, I pray, uh, Father, that every person that calls this place home would begin to feel the rumblings. I pray that you would begin to put your ear to the ground and hear the stampede of blessing, the stampede of miracle signs and wonders, and the stampede of the harvest coming. I pray, Holy Spirit, that there would be a momentum that rises up in every person. I pray that we would have the realization that what is in us will conquer what is around us. And so, Lord, I pray that above all, that every person would experience your presence in a new and profound way. I pray that every person would have an understanding, no matter your circumstances, whether you are experiencing the greatest of times or the worst of times, I pray that you would have a certainty in your spirit that I will be with you. The Lord will be with you always. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that as we move forward, as we begin to see things open back up, I pray, Lord, that we would be innovators, dreamers, pioneers, trailblazers. I pray that there would be ideas and strategies. I pray that there would be business 
businesses and solutions that the world has never seen. I pray that once again, the name of Jesus would be held in high esteem in this city and in this land. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to touch radically every aspect, every facet of society, that once again, as I said, the name of Jesus will be held in high esteem. Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would raise up men and women of God that take you at your word. I pray that they would be like the radical war horses at the gate, ready to run. I pray that our, we would understand that our momentum is not tied to our activity, but it's tied to what you've put in us. And you have put the keys of heaven and hell into our hands. And you've said, go into all the world and, and make disciples. You've said, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. And Lord, I pray that men and women would rise up rise up and step out of of the box of your personality and step into your persona. Step into what God is calling you out uh, into. I pray that, Lord, just as you have snapped us out of the orbit of our ordinary, that we would step into the extraordinary. So, Father, I pray where for each and every person watching right now, I pray that you would feel the presence of Jesus right now. Every song we sang was about the name of Jesus. I pray that you would experience the radical King Jesus. That King Jesus, the one who rides the white horse and carries the sword, that who has fire in his eyes, would make himself real to you. The one at whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. I pray that you would have an encounter with him. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch every heart right now that's watching and listening. So Lord, I pray... Above all, that you would be with us. We know that that's your promise, but raise our level of awareness to what you're already doing. Raise our level of awareness to what you've put inside of us. Allow our hearts, every cell of our being, to say with certainty that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have Jordan come. You know, so I feel like we, we can't just talk about Jesus and, and, and the Father God and not give you an opportunity to get to know him and encounter him and, and discover more of who he is. You know, in John, the book of John, Jesus speaking said that no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. And so I just want to ask that if maybe you signed on during worship, if you begin to feel the presence of God, if you begin to feel the drawing of God on your life, if, if you sign on while Josh is watching or Josh is speaking and you begin to feel your heart beat fast, if you started to, uh, started to think in your mind like, wow, this thing could be real. If this thing could be real, that's, that's, the, that's the Father drawing you into Jesus. It's the Father drawing you into Jesus. And, and listen, listen, it's not just about being saved from sin. That's a big deal, but it's more about being saved into him and, and, and this life uh, full of purpose and full of hope and full of victory that we get to go into. Not just what we're saved from, but listen, you are being saved from something. There are pleasures in sin, but they're short-lived. Don't waste your time without life when there's, when there's pleasures forevermore, pleasures from heaven, a life of godliness, a life full of abundance and full of joy, a life that we never get to be alone in. 
Yeah, it also says later in John that he wants to come and make his home in you. So if you're starting to feel that, if your heart is starting to burn, if you're wanting him, if you're feeling the drawing, the wooing of God, if your heart's starting to beat fast, you got chills during the service, you started to think a little differently during the service, it's the wooing of God calling you to come home, to come home into the family of God. So if that's you, if, if you've been feeling that during the service, um, listen, it's not about praying a prayer, play, praying some prayer that's repeated after me doesn't get you into heaven. It's what's happening inside your heart. And so this is what needs to happen with you and God. You just need to get with him. You need to say, God, I'm tired of being apart from you. I was apart from you, and now I'm ready to come in close to you. I feel your wooing, and I'm ready to take a step and come be with you, to trust you, Jesus, to put my faith, my trust, my life in you. It's saying this, Jesus, I surrender. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm ready to do it with you. It's saying, Jesus... I believe in you. I believe in what you did for me. God, it's thanking him for, for, for saving me from sin and death and, and taking me from that kingdom into his kingdom of peace and life. And so if that's you, if that's you praying that right now, that's good news. And I'm happy about that. And you should be happy about that too. And so um, I'm going to pray for you guys in a minute. But I just want to get this out here. This is our, our way to connect with you guys. So if you are, um, if that's you, if you're taking that step, if that is where you're at, then uh, I need you guys to text Jesus to 614-333-1101. It's probably on your screen Yes, good. It's on your screen. I know it's a little weird to do that right in the middle of, of you in this life-changing moment that's happening, and it's awkward, but it's fine. Someone will reach out to you and begin to help you walk this journey with Jesus and get connected. And so let me just pray for you guys real quick before we get out of here. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? I thank you, God, for drawing them to Jesus. God, I thank you that every answer to every problem is found in Jesus. That every hopeless situation finds hope in Jesus. Wow, that every every addiction, every uh, every 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 addiction, God gets healed. Every sickness gets healed in Jesus. God, thank you that it's all about Jesus. God, so even right now, God, the ones that who aren't ready yet, would you continue to woo them to yourself? And the ones, God, would you just release your presence over them right now? God, that they would even now begin to encounter the pleasures of heaven over their life right now. That sitting in their room, in their car, God, that they would begin to feel you begin to rest upon them. Thank you, God. All right, guys. Well, thanks for signing on. And uh, 
Be blessed if you, uh, if you begin to feel God during the service, you felt his presence like you've never had before while Josh was speaking or those who maybe just received Jesus, if you felt him for the first time, and why don't you, you guys should post in the comment section or something, get it to us to know like, hey, we did feel God. I encountered him today. If that happened to you, man, we want to know about it. It's a big deal. Every encounter with God is a big deal, whether it's his voice being whispered in your heart or it's his presence landing on your life. So be blessed, guys. Thanks for signing on.